Several minutes later into the episode when I am desperately struggling to improvise a joke about anything. Steve, you have no problem with that. We don't script a lot of this. <laughs> don't, don't, don't put that on me. Steve, you Steve don't have a problem with it. Steve is the funniest person ever, and I can't wait to hear all of your improbabilities throughout this episode. No! <laughs> um, um, uh, poop, um... Fart! Oh, God, no. God, it is like Mike is still here. You know, let's just get into it. Welcome to the Song Topsy Report, everyone, where we dissect bad, bizarre, or otherwise noteworthy music to figure out how it died. I'm your host, Nick Brigadier. And I'm your other host, Steve Trollinger. That's right. I am also a host. Wait, why did you interrupt Mike? He didn't have a chance to speak. Sorry, go ahead, Mike. Oh. Oh, my God, he's dead. No, I think he's just sleeping. Oh, okay. It's like that. It's like that Simpsons joke. Oh my God! They drugged Dad. No, he didn't. <laughs> uh, but no, unfortunately, Mike Russell is not present for this episode. But we are going to be talking about something that is very near and dear to Steve's heart. Yes, yes, we will. But first, let's hear about that fantastic evening we had last night. Yes, yes. But before we get into that, we had our uh, live. Recording of Chris Tries to Review Wine, which is another podcast we have on Dapper Devil Productions. It went very well. You can check our social media to see some hot pics. Uh, Ugh, don't call them that. What? God. We were all very good. Go dap- on our social media, check out some hot pics. The eye candy on display. You will see all of the plaid flannel and bow ties. Yes, well, not thanks. Bow ties. Thanks for the info, Neckties. guys. Thanks for, thanks for letting me know so I could show up accordingly. Steve, you... I guess I'm not part of the team, then. Okay, so Steve was in the audience of the show, um, but uh, Ian Brodsky, who was a guest on our show, and myself, we were assigned to uh, help out with the actual production recording aspect of it, and we all coordinated a dress code, and Steve is very disappointed that he got left out of that. Steve, if you want to just wear plaid flannel and a necktie on your own, you're more I than welcome to. I hate all of those clothes. <laughs> They're itchy, and they they... Drawing too much heat, and then it the, feels like a tiny person is struck. It's trying to strangle me. I don't like it, but I would have done it if I had been made aware. Well, next time. Uh, um, but that episode will be coming out, I believe, on Wednesday the uh, whatever day Wednesday Wednesday the eighth seventh Wednesday, Wednesday the seventh. See, I was going to make an election day joke, but which we probably could do because this is the one time where we can get away with political jokes. Or we don't. Or we just keep trying to like be funny and make people happy. Yes, we can try to be the... I think that's why Mike gets so upset when we discuss politics because I usually listen to podcasts to escape reality. Right. And when those podcasts just keep reminding me of the reality that I'm trying to escape, yeah. it really brings, it brings me down. It's, it's really just a bunch of self-important a-holes who think what they have to say? Who think because the they subject. have the tiniest platform exactly. that what they say matters. But Steve, do you know what raises me up when politics brings me down? You raise me up. No Cartoons. Way. Nick, you're burying the lead. I was gonna set it up like thus. It's time once again for the cartoon 
cavalcade. <laughs> Wait, this does not sound nearly as fun as it did originally in my head. <laughs> it goes on like that for like five, ten. Yeah, minutes. we got another few minutes of this actually. I don't think I, I don't think my voice could take it. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. I offered because I am a kind and willing soul to come up with something at the very last minute that we could talk about that, A, requires very little research on my part. Because B, you are just an encyclopedic knowledge exactly. of... Exactly. B, requires requires uh, something that we may or may not have already done some research on in the past, which I did research on some of the stuff we're going to discuss today last year for last year's episode of The Cartoon Cavalcade. Yes, where we discussed the opening themes to a variety of children's show, uh, including but not limited to Beetleborgs, Toxic Crusaders, and Sonic Underground. Actually, it was exactly those three. Oh, no kidding. It was, the, it was all included. It was including and limited to those <laughs> but who, three. Who was keeping track? Um, but, but yeah, yeah, we had we had a, we had many others kind of lined up that we wanted to do, and it seems like literally like a year to the week. It was. Later. I actually looked back at the episode listing and saw that my original idea was I was going to do Wild Wild West, and then I looked back, and sure enough, the first week of November last year, we did the Get Lit episode. We did the the Will yes. Smith episode. So I was like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to do another Will. I don't want to do an annual Will Smith episode like that. And then I immediately decided to do a different annual episode. <laughs> we could totally have Will Smith Wednesdays. Oh, I don't know. He, and since it's a weekly podcast, that would just be every episode. Mm. His music's good for the most part. I was so excited. Uh, if you follow us on Facebook, we posted it, But uh, and this is a total tangent, but the video for Nightmare on My Street, which had previously been lost forever, uh, was finally released. So please yes. check that out. Yes, that was that was quite was a surprise to the team Perfect here. Halloween treat for yeah. me. Um, so we'll get into it here. Um, so for my first selection of the cartoon cavalcade, if you, if you are if this is your for if, you, if this is your forged, sorry, I am now I am now Dutch. Steve is so excited he's tripping over. I'm himself. turning into I'm turning into a Dutchman. <laughs> this is your forged episode of the cartoon cavalcade. Uh, last year, um, I picked. A couple of real winners. Yes, you did. A couple Steve. of real It was plum very picks. funny. And I'm excited about this first one because Steve has purposefully kept me in the dark on this. I only know the title of this. Yes. Episode. Now, Nick, Nick, are you familiar with a little known uh, entertainment property known as the Teenaged Mutant Ninja Turtles? I believe I have heard of them. Okay, good. I just want to make sure every has everyone heard of this. Wait, Steve, are we listening to that? I thought that was pretty good. We might as well be because our first uh, subject today is one in a very long line of Ninja Turtles ripoffs. Once people realized this four-step formula would garner them potentially millions or billions of dollars. Everybody jumped on this, and there's a there's a wide swath of selections to choose from. Street sharks, biker mice from Mars. Basically, get a group Wait, of biker mice from Mars. Yes, that's a, that's one. We're not even going to get into that. That'll be for another day. You can't just do. You can't just drop that, Steve, and then say and just move on We're from the biker on. mice from Mars. So basically, the formula became: take a group of anthropomorphized creatures, teach them some sort of Eastern mysticism. And then release them on a city full of adventure where there's gangs and cyborgs and all sorts of crap that kids like. Now, this particular example is in that line. The reason I picked this and not any of the others is because unlike the others, this one is very, 
very shameless about what they're trying to do. It's not even trying... Like, even the song itself, the theme song itself, lampshades the fact that they know full well they are ripping off the Turtles to get money. And what is the title of this show? This show is called Kung Fu Dino Posse. And we're going to hear a little bit of the theme right now. Some heroes are made, others are defrosted. This is their story. I'm going to tell you a story and it's vaguely true about butt kicking dinosaurs who know Kung Fu. And who is the nerdy human guide? His whack and eventually the soup of fly. Now our heroes trying to save the day from a mutant army and a cliche. Steve, can we slow down for a second? <laughs> yes. But okay, okay. <laughs> I was I was really hoping for this reaction. I was okay. really hoping for just how how it, I really wanted to make sh- to to see if this would in fact cause Nick to slightly break down with the number of questions he had. I have never in my life been hit with so much disparate bits of exposition so quickly all at the same time. Okay, so I I like I want to stop at the very first sentence that's uttered. Wait, hang on, yeah. The very first thing Some heroes are made, others are defrosted. Some heroes are made, others are defrosted. Yeah, so... Um, sorry, let me bring up my notes here. Uh, chapter one of your notes, Jesus. Chapter one, yeah. So, uh, a, little bit of, a little bit of backstory. Kung Fu Dino Posse is a Canadian, South Korean, Singaporean, German animated series from 2010. Well, they're all geographically next to each other. That makes yeah. sense. Um. It's a Cookie Jar Entertainment, Sunwoo Entertainment Company Limited, Sunwoo Asia Pacific Limited, and Optics Entertainment. Um, it was uh, it, it wasn't even really an American property, obviously, uh, but it, it like premiered in the UK. And then, if you were lucky enough to have premium cable, it uh, was on Stars Kids. So, if, in order to watch this show, you had to have premium cable, guys. That's how that's how much of a, a just a shining piece of gold it was. Like, it doesn't, the song itself doesn't really give you a, a clear picture as to what's happening. It it just sort of assumes that you are, you, you can follow along. So the basic premise is, a, in a museum, there's a, there was like a bunch of frozen dinosaur bodies in okay. this museum in, the, in, a, in, a, in a city. The city's called Megalopolis. And... Something happened again. In case you're and where is Megalopolis? Is it I, Singapore? Is it Germany? Yeah. Is it? In case you're wondering, I have never seen an episode of Kung Fu Dino Posse because I didn't have premium cable growing up. This was uh, 2010. Oh right, I didn't. Right? Yeah, I didn't have premium cable when I was in college or after college. Oh god, I'm old. That's the only thing that prevented him from watching it. Yeah. Though. So in the city of Megalopolis, six dinosaurs are thawed out in the basement of a museum when a young aspiring paleontologist and tech genius accidentally causes a citywide blackout. So first of all, you are supposed to get all of that from that sentence of, of not all heroes are made, some are thought. Well, in the epileptic seizure that was this theme song, I did the, the, they showed the protagonist and I feel like they mentioned he's a smart guy. Was that was that a line? Yeah, so there when I say that it's like slavish to the teenage mutant Ninja Turtles formula, I mean like right out the gate they're like and they have a human companion who keeps their secret and who uh, assists them and like it, so it's like he's their April O'Neil. Like they're very much, hey, it's like all that other stuff that you like right kids right so yeah he's like there he's like this goofy hapless guy who's super intelligent this goofy hapless tech genius tech genius who is also a paleontologist um because it's not just that he's supposed to be interested in dinosaurs but he's also able to like conjure together wacky techno devices for them because he's also technically they're donnie so they 
he he accidentally causes a blackout. His name's Edgar Chudley. Edgar Chudley. Edgar Chudley, and I think they actually say his name. But they just call him Chud for yeah, sure. Yeah, they're they're like, and this is our friend. He's named Chud. He helps us fight some crime. Like that's the whole song. Um so he uh, uh he causes a citywide blackout. Now, but this doesn't even this it's not like, oh no, I caused a blackout. Oh, these dinosaur bodies have been thawed out. These are my friends now. I gotta teach them the ways of the world. No. He causes the blackout, and then a year passes. One year later, he discovers in the basement the you know how you know how museums have basements. Yeah. yeah. In the basement of With this dinosaurs. museum. He discovers that four of these dinosaurs have been living in the museum basement for this whole year and have somehow taught themselves kung fu in a museum basement. I don't know. Maybe they were watching. Maybe I I feel like that they were just watching kung fu movies because the dino characters' names are very telling in that regard. Please tell me one of them is named Dinotello. No. One is named uh, Kane, the leader, who's a T-Rex. One is named Jet who's a pterodon, one is named Chow, who is a stegosaurus, and one is named Lucy, who is a triceratops, and she's the only she's the only girl. Because you can only have the one girl, guys. That's yeah. the only way cartoons work. You can't have more than one girl. It's a three-to-one ratio. Yeah. It cannot be broken. Um, and I so I don't know. None of the research I did specifically stated this was the case, but Chow is Ch- Chow Young Fat, Lucy, Lucy Liu, um, uh, uh, Jet, Jet Lee, and then Kane could potentially be a reference to Kane from Kung Fu, the legend, con- you know, the legend continues. Yes. Um, so I don't know. It doesn't specifically state that, but it seems really weird to me that, you know, these, they, they just use like Asian actor names <laughs> for their Kung Fu dinosaurs. Well, Steve, I challenge you. What would you name Kung Fu dinosaurs? And we're also assuming these dinosaurs named themselves. And it makes sense. Yeah. They would have done it by watching the movies. Exactly. And that's how they... But I inferred all of this. At no point when I researched it, did anything outright say this is what the producers or the writers intended? Well, I think that's already a testament to the show that I've seen 15 seconds of the intro for no episodes. Because they already have enough depth where the youngsters watching it can get one impression and for the parents who have to watch it with them they can be seeing the levels or they could just like tune it out completely because what uh, what self-respecting adult would actually watch the show that's also fair because my brain immediately shut off listening to this intro because okay you, so you haven't even gotten to the best part yet and you'll uh, see but uh, I'll, I'm going to wait for you to actually visually Steve, see Steve, I, I apologize, because I might need to move slow through this. Okay. I need to break it down like every five we seconds. We should have just done this for the episode. So, some heroes are thawed, is what we have gotten. Yes. I'm going to tell you a story, and it's vaguely true about... It's, it's vaguely, vaguely true. true, guys. It could... I don't know. We could have embellished certain things. So, we are... Yes, we already have an unreliable narrator. true about kicking Okay. Not only is he interested in paleontology, but he's also an inventor. Yeah, yeah, of course he is. That's the most unrealistic part of this premise right now. Not the the kung fu dinosaurs. The tech-savvy... And also, I don't like it... I don't like it when the... When the the when whatever the voice is that's like either the narrator or doing the intro is passing judgment on the characters. Like, he's saying he's he's nerdy. Yeah. It's not for the audience to determine... Who this character is? Yeah, it's it, the 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 narrator is letting you know specifically what you're supposed to think of them. I don't appreciate that. 
Well, you know, I don't know if you could have determined it from like the two seconds he was on screen here and he accidentally electrocuted a bunch of people. Yeah, it's and like, then, whoa! And then slipped on a banana peel, essentially, and like did one of those things where he's in the midair. He's in midair with the... Sl- he's slipping for much longer than people should be able to slip for. I gotta say, though, we know a lot of information 16 seconds in. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe too much information. Our heroes trying to save the day from a A mutant army and other cliches. And other cliches. I told you this song is <laughs> this song. This song throw. This song might as well be sold in IKEA from the amount of lampshading it does. Hey oh, uh, it's that's why I picked it because it's unlike those other shows I mentioned. This one is very aware of what it is, and it's just like right guys, right audience. Wink, I'm, wink, nudge, I nudge. almost wonder if they actually did the entire show. They animated it. They did everything. Then they're like, we need to come up with a theme for it. They stood back. All the creators in all these different countries all stood back. They looked at what they'd done, and they said, you know what? This is actually very derivative. Yeah. And they're just like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just have, let's just let, let's just spell it out all in the intro. Yeah. Wait a second. It's 2010. I bet there's a bunch of kids who don't know who the Ninja Turtles are now. This could be their first introduction to that sort of thing, and then they'll think we came up with it. I want you to, when we hit play here, yes. I want you to continue. I want. I don't want you to pause where you paused before. Okay. You, I want you to keep going to a point that I'm sure you'll figure out what you need to stop at. Okay. How did you miss that? Did you miss that? Did you miss what happened, Nick? Nick, they combine into a giant dinosaur. Yes. How does how I'm now I'm perplexed by how you didn't how that's not the sticking point for you that that they became a Megazord ostensibly that they just four living breathing physical like biological creatures ran at each other real fast and m- despite the fact that no magic has so far been involved well, turn in combine to magically turn into a Captain Planet esque giant dinosaur Stephen you are so spoiled as someone who has watched this several times and is. Not having to recover from the shock. So much is being thrown at me, Steve. I'm not surprised by anything. 20 okay. seconds into this. I just assumed that, it, yeah, all the dinosaurs run together and then they're like a giant dragon thing. I just assumed there was some transition missing. Um, maybe the nerdy tech guy, Chud, created something that allowed them to all become one giant dinosaur. No, they just do it. They just run into they each have other? A, they have a secret superpower, and it's they can form their own giant versions of themselves by, I don't know, running real fast into one another. How how much how much can you rip off? I think is the question behind this song is how much of what's popular and makes money can we just rip off for our own ends? Steve, there's no original idea left anyway. It's just a matter of there's, how you combine the pieces. There's no original idea, sure, but you don't need to you don't need to go to other way with it. You don't have to be like, yeah, also they're like Power Rangers because they can form a giant version of themselves. And also the guy that they're fighting cr- creates a monster of the week for them. to. So it's like also kind of Buffy. And how he creates those monsters of the week is also very, very little explained in this show. Listen, Power Rangers just said putty. Also, before we start, what I thought you were going to mention, and you know what this is low-hanging fruit? It's the joke Mike would it's made. It's the posse. It's, it doesn't sound like he said posse. Please tell me, listeners, if you didn't know the title of the show and you're just watching the you're watching the intro for the first time, what you thought they were saying. Kung Fu 
I'm sorry. It's right there. It is. And it I'm not I can't lie and I have to say that yeah, the first time I heard it, that's what I thought they said. Yep. Because the next time they say posse, they're very clearly saying posse in a different way. I'm not imagining this, right? That's not just me. What the fuck just happened there? What happened is whoever they hired, whatever poor sap they hired to sing this theme song ran out of breath. And instead of instead of whoever was in the recording booth being like, okay, no, we'll just take it again. Just, you know, do it one more time. But with breath, he just, no, that was funny. Let's keep that. That's an improvised bit. Let's keep that bit. You're just like Robin Williams when he was doing the genie in Aladdin. We're just going to keep it all in. That's what they said to themselves. Oh, no, this is great. This is going to be the greatest animated hit since Aladdin. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure he just ran out of breath, and they were like, keep it. We don't have the money to record this again. Don't forget Jenna, Tarana, a pajama, Tijuana. Can you expect me to say this? Bad guys, Corey's one evil dude, obsessed with the crystals and super rude. Strap his brother. What okay, so Bill and Ted also come in and do <laughs> part of the song? Yeah, so they just, so the 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 um, Kung Fu Dino Posse weren't the only dinosaurs to be melted that day. Oh, no. They were one of, uh, one of... Six dinosaurs that were melted that day. Two and of them were Dr. evil. Doom? Two of them were evil dinosaurs. Wait, were they still living in the basement together? Yeah, they all got. They were all frozen at the same time. So there were six dinosaurs living in a museum basement together, and nobody noticed. No, for no, a no. Year. The two of them were like, "We're evil now. See you, suckers!" And then they went to form their own separate section of evil of like anthropomorphic dinosaur warriors do they ever explain how i mean i know it's a kid's show and you can obviously take some creative liberties but do they at least offer a cursory explanation as to why the dinosaurs can talk and how they learned kung fu maybe i've i've learned just about as much of this as you have right now because <laughs> for all for for all the information this intro is throwing at us there's some very key points that it's glossing over i don't i don't i don't see that what are you talking about <laughs> It all makes sense to me. Okay, there's only a little bit left. To clarify, it's up to the posse to thwart, to thwart his, his plan. plan. So yeah, the bad guy, from what I can determine, the bad guy's name is Score. Scar, whatever, uh, Score, um, and his brother Scrap. They were the other two, and they were both supposed to be raptors. They keep getting, they call them raptors in the show, but they look like Dilophosaurus. Sis, sigh. So I don't know what the deal is there. Um, yeah, and their whole deal is they got to steal some. They're like the Dino Posse are protecting these crystals that if they shoot lasers at them, turn into horrible mutant monsters. So the crystals turn into mutants. Yeah, so okay. like Score is trying to like get these crystals, right? So that he can create an army of super monsters and conquer the earth or whatever. Uh-huh. That's just what he does. That's what he do. That's what he do. That's his thing. That's his thing. And his brother Scrap is super dumb. I wonder if, having never actually watched a full episode, I wonder if Scrap somehow bumbles his way into foiling their own evil plans. I just want to know what accents the dinosaurs speak in. They are 
Do they give them American accents? So it depends for this multinational show that was premiered in the UK. It it depends because there's like one of the one of the dinos who is like definitely the Michelangelo of the group. Like he's the one who calls everyone dude and like eats a lot and like his whole thing is food. It's and he talks like this, just like I'm talking. Um and poor. What's her face? Lucy. Uh, Lucy. Poor Lucy is de- like so. Everything is a stereotype in this. It's like she's like the team mom. She's like, oh man, can't you guys get it together? Why do I gotta be the yep. competent female presence here? And she's always talking about like having girl talks, and her like she gets annoyed with everyone's immature mannerisms. <laughs> Nobody put any thought or effort into this. Everyone, everyone just. But there were so many people involved. The Steve. lowest common denominator. They found whatever the lowest. They ripped off two very high-profile money-making TV premises. They went as low. They found the lowest common denominator between all of them, and just like, just attacked that. Just like this is what this is what we are. And they formed the Kung Fu Dino Posse. Posse. P O S S E. Let's keep the comic cavalcade. The comic shit. Let's have the cartoon cavalcade continue. <laughs> Say that three times fast. Oh man, that hurt. Uh, A lot of alliteration. Yeah, we're going back to uh, 1991. Whoa. Yeah, we're going. It hits. We're jumping in the way back machine to 1991 with a show that is the only show we're going to talk about today that I actually had experience watching when I was a kid, uh, and it is. A cartoon based upon the DC Comics Vertigo Comics property known as the Swamp Thing. <gasps> Swamp Thing. Are you familiar with the Swamp Thing, Nick? I am vaguely familiar with Swamp what, Thing. What is your what is your connection with the Swamp Thing? I know it was a nineteen eighty two movie starring Adrian Barbeau. I know it was based on that DC pro- uh, property. And I know it is a I've 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 just heard that he is a very complicated yes. character. So you watched the Wes Craven directed uh, uh, film version uh, Swamp Thing. Bits and pieces Bits of and it, pieces. yes. I'm surprised, about, I'm surprised with you that you haven't watched that Not movie Not seen it in its entirety. Or the made-for-TV sequel, Return of the Swamp Thing. No, I missed that one. Um, so a little bit of background. Swamp Thing was created um, by uh, Len Wein and Bernie Wrightson, who's a big uh, horror writer. Um, for DC Comics uh, when they were trying to, like, they were trying to start to get away from the whole, like, you can't do horror comics anymore ban of, like, the 50s and the 60s. So this was, this was in the 70s. Um, and it, they wrote a story about uh, Alec Holland, who is a botanist. His life is ruined when criminals attempt to steal his bioregenerative, bioregenerative formula, which would be a thing that you, like, he, it's a formula you can use it to make deserts bloom and things like that. So oh. to solve the world hunger and uh, food sh- shortages and whatnot. So these criminals show up and they try to wreck his lab, which is in the middle of the Louisiana Bayou, and they end up setting the lab on fire. Alec Holland is doused in his own regenerative formula and set on fire, and so he like screaming runs out into the swamp the night of the swamp night and like tries to douse the flames by hurling his body into the swamp itself and the combination of that plus the formula causes his body to mutate based on the vegetation around him into a mass very vaguely humanoid mass of vegetable matter that comes to be known as the swamp thing um and uh, 
proceeds to, you know, just become like a, a vaguely superhero. Like it's still kind of a superhero property. Like he still like fights crime, but it's crime that has to take place in a swamp because that's where he lives. So they got to like, come he's like up an with, even more specific Aquaman. Yeah. It's like crime that can only occur during the, in the swamp. That is, that is but what there's a lot of is. illegal like tour boat that drive by that he puts a stop to. There's a lot of like drug runners on fan boats and things like this and that's what he's there. But more So or less, he can't leave the swamp? No, because it's uh, he's sort of tied to it like he it, theoretically speaking he's tied to it in the early goings where he has to sort of be there otherwise he starts to like if you put Aquaman in the desert, the new movie notwithstanding, he he would start to weaken after a while because he's not He's not near the source of his power. Yes. Um, so, like, if you were to drop Swamp Thing in the middle of the city, there's not really a lot of vegetable matter for him to command. In a way, he would resort to a vegetative state. Sure. I'll give you that one. Yeah, you win this round. <laughs> um, so, uh, as we did last year with the, uh, uh, the Toxic Crusader, someone decided, hey... I'm going to take this horror property, what is ostensibly a horror property, and make it palatable for children. So I'm going to do a TV show about uh, about Swamp Thing, um, conveniently ignoring a lot of the effed up stuff that happens to that character later when uh, uh, Alan Moore, famed comics oh, writer Alan goodness. Moore, gets a hold of the property because it was about to be canceled. So they were like, yeah, do whatever you want to it. And because he's a weird snake magician... He did whatever he wanted to it, and it made it super interesting and super fucked up. So they made a show about it. And the reason why I use this specifically, because this is a song-based, this is a music-based podcast, is the fact that when they came up with a theme song for the cartoon version of everything I just mentioned, instead of coming up with something original, they did something... Ironically, instead of coming up with something original, they came up with an original concept, which was, let's just do a parody song of something that already exists. And so, for those of you out there, you may be able to tell what that song is. Okay, so before we get into what it is obviously ripping off, I just got to say, this is such a relaxing change of pace to Kung Fu Dino Posse. How so? Because we're just given given very little information that we have plenty of time to digest. Swamp Thing, you're amazing. Yeah. Okay, great. So we know there's a Swamp Thing, and and he's a cool guy. You fight everything. You fight everything. Nasty. Everything that's nasty is what you fight. And literally, at this same point in Kung Fu Dino Posse, we were already past... Uh, they were already a towering, giant combo yes, dinosaur. Yes, exactly. Combosaurus is Combosaurus, what I believe yes. is what it was called. Um, so, the property Swamp Thing, uh, they decided, much like um, uh, uh, Toxic Crusaders, they took what it was ostensibly a horror theme and made it palatable for children. Uh, this was produced by Deke. Entertainment. <gasps> oh, of Sonic the Hedgehog. Of pretty much most of the of uh, and uh, Inspector, Inspector Gadget. Gadget yeah. A lot of cartoons from our from our youth, our misspent youth. Deke. <laughs> um, 
And it essentially, obviously, foregoes all of that weird Alan Moore spiritual uh, avatar of the green crap and decides to just be about, yeah, scientists. But it's still about a scientist who catches on fire and turns into a monster. <laughs> like, they didn't, they didn't skew that. Um, and his, uh, and Alec Holland, except in this case, instead of it just being a random criminal, it's his arch rival, Anton Arcane, who desires immortality and becomes, and for some reason is a vampire Dracula in this. I don't Wait, is that him right now? No. Okay. No, oddly enough, he doesn't become a bat. He becomes a giant spider. Yeah, the freeze frame is a giant anthropomorphized bat yeah he essentially into uses the formula that Alec Holland created to create his own race of unmen that's what they're called unmen unmen and he just basically douses all of his henchmen in this weird sauce that turns them into horrific monstrous creatures do and think, ruins their lives yeah do you think he gave like was there a meeting to discuss like what the next steps are going to be well, like I think if I remember right, the first episode, you just walk I, up to them while they're sleeping, just pour it on them. Yeah, well, because I had the I had this only lasted five episodes, believe it or not, <laughs> um, and I had like a VHS when I was a kid with all five of the episodes. And basically, the first episode is this: like the opening theme tells you what happens, so they just they just take off running and start from he's already swamp thing. And Arcane wants the secret of immortality or whatever, some bullshit. So he sends like his henchmen after them, and they're just humans. And they get their asses kicked because he's Swamp Thing. And he's like, "Ah, oh, you failed me for the last time, for the first time. I must. I need a race of unmen to uh, to fight freak with freak." And then he just douses them, or just commit your crime outside the perimeter of a swamp. Yeah. Oh yeah, did I mention <laughs> did I mention in the series Swamp Thing has um help from like a random Native American guy and uh like an and a, a Vietnam veteran. He just has two sidekicks that he that helps him out, and also they have a fan boat made of like logs that they that like Swamp Thing created vehicles for them out of plant matter. Of course, and they fire missiles and whatnot because you got to sell those toys. Am I right, folks? I don't. Uh, I don't want to jump the gun on the next uh, cartoon that we're going to be discussing, but it seems like Native American characters were a great standby throughout like the eighties yeah. and nineties. Um, yeah, well, this uh, this show also had a much more popular. Kenner did a uh, popular toy line. Like the show only lasted five episodes, but the toys stayed around for a couple of years. And I had I had a few of them. They were like glow in the dark. It was pretty cool. But yeah, they had to they had to just come up with a bunch of excuses for why these guys would have high tech plant based motor vehicles that shot missiles and stuff. Elon Musk is working on that. Yeah, to combat the other mutants who also had those things. Well, Steve, I had to break it to you, but we still have one ep- one show left in the cartoon cavalcade. So, going way back in time, one last time, to 1980, um, there's, a, there's a company called Filmation, and they are, uh, before they went under, they were big in the cartoon business. They did a lot of things that people who were kids around this time definitely had toys for. They did He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, uh, they did um, She-Ra, 
trying to remember what She-Ra's show was called. Um, She-Ra, Princess of Power. Sorry, I wanted to be woke there and give She-Ra's <laughs> show her own her own uh, subtitle too. Yeah, no, no, the, whatever the She-Ra one. Yeah, was. Uh, Shazam. Like they they were. If, if you saw any of those shows, you know what's coming. Um, so they had a lot of successes with those properties, and the uh, uh, the company Filmation. They basically were like, all right. Let's do something different. Let's do uh, no more of this fantasy stuff. Let's do some sort of like hard edge sci-fi stuff. And let's set it in the American West. And let's uh, air it from 1987 to 1988. That's not specifically what they said. That's just I ran out of things to talk about. Um, and uh, they created an American space western known as... It's not going to do it up front, but known as... Brave Star! I love the guy who doesn't sing this, who narrates this intro. Yeah, so this show, or this, yeah, this Brave cartoon. Star. Yeah, Nick's going to be doing that the whole time, just so you know. It is an earworm. This um, this show actually came up last year when I was compiling the episodes we were going to do, uh, or the shows we were going to talk about, and I found this at like one in the morning when I was doing like four hours worth of research, and I sent it to, I texted it to Nick in that moment, and he was blown away by how fantastic this show must have been <laughs> and it how, looks and phenomenal it looks phenomenal and the the main theme just throws shit at you from the beginning but in a way that is not quite as mind-numbing as the dino posse <laughs> yeah that really numbed me to the rest of the content yeah maybe we should have done that one last maybe i messed up oh i don't know though there's still a lot to dive into here there is a planet called new texas that mines, what is the name of the mineral? Uh, Carium is what it's called. So yeah, it's never too late, uh, cartoon production companies, to teach children all about the benefits of colonization and resource scarcity. Well, because there's prairie people who you say are essentially anthropomorphic <laughs> prairie dogs. I like how you throw that out as, well, there's prairie people, right? Yeah, that's what they're called, yeah, they're prairie people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you didn't even stop to explain that. You just took it as an accepted piece of fiction. Well, much like the writers did. Uh, so a little bit, a little bit of the, um, a little bit of the impetus for this show. So, uh, Filmation See, did- I don't care about the impetus. I just want to hear Brave Star. Filmation, I'll be, I'll make it good. <laughs> Filmation, they did all these other shows I mentioned. Uh, the, um, uh, and it was, this was actually the last animated series to be produced by them before they went under. Oh no. So this was their swan song was Brave, Brave Star, Brave Star. Brave Star. <laughs> Teeth of the cow, <laughs> eye of the pig, yeah. brave star. We'll explain that in a minute. Um, so they kind of went out on a high note here. Uh, so there's, uh, are you familiar with the show Ghostbusters? Absolutely. You're not, though. Are, you're thinking of the real Ghostbusters. I'm talking about the ghost space busters. So Filmation has a has it's a very sneaky. Yeah, Filmation has this has this little uh little nugget in in history where they created a show. Originally, it was a live action saw show called The Ghost Space Busters, and it was actually a show about like two guys and a talking ape who would like discover uh, supernatural elements and report on them, and they they were called the Ghostbusters. 
Cut to 1982, 84, I want to say. Um, and Ivan Reitman and Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis are writing a supernatural comedy movie. Uh, and they want to call it something punchy, something ghost, something ghost fighters, ghost harangers. No, that doesn't work. So they hit upon this idea of like, oh, let's call them the Ghostbusters. Turns out there was a show already from the 60s called the Ghostbusters. So Columbia, which was the studio that made it, went to Filmation and say, look, we'll pay you some money just to use the just use Ghostbusters. And Filmation was like, yeah, whatever. We're not going to do anything with that. Um, cut to like a year later when it turns into the biggest movie of all time in America at that point. And Filmation was like, holy shit, we really fucked ourselves this time. So they started to like get all up in their business about, uh, oh, you owe us more money. We didn't know it was going to be that successful. So they, as an act of vengeance, plotted an animated series called The Ghostbusters, which would be based on that live action series. And at the same time, Columbia was having another uh, studio do the real Ghostbusters, what ended up becoming the real Ghostbusters to differentiate the two. But there was a time in America where there were two animated series. One was called Ghostbusters and one was called the real Ghostbusters. Ooh, that's so passive aggressive. The real Ghostbusters. Okay, kids, don't, don't get it mixed up. They were only the real Ghostbusters in the sense that they were way more popular and well known and everyone liked them better. That's what it should have been called. The way more popular and everyone knows and like them better, Ghostbusters. Yeah, it's it's just, I, I always like to think of this weird metaphysical way that... <laughs> the not-sucky Ghostbusters, yeah. that's what we'll call it. That you only become real once enough people like you. <laughs> so, um, they, in creating their Ghostbusters animated series, they were kind of with a bunch of crazy villains to use. And in one of them was a weird, like, spectral-looking zombie-esque cowboy type uh, with a weird Fu Manchu mustache and beard. And they were calling him Tex Hex. And the guys who were doing Bravestar at the time, they looked at that and they're like, hey, that's pretty cool. Can we use that instead? So instead of using it for Ghostbusters, they used him as the primary antagonist for their new show, Bravestar. 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 Uh, and I also mentioned that before just because um, children from that area might also remember the Ghostbusters from that horrible, disappointing Christmas where they asked for Ghostbusters action figures and got like a fucking monkey action figure and a weird Larry Storch action figure instead. That must have happened to at least some kids. It happened to a shit ton of kids. Really? Yeah, because parents did not know any better. <laughs> like that was like the worst I Christmas. I got you Ghostbusters. Yeah, exactly. Or grandparents. Yeah. Yes. That was the worst Christmas on record in America at the time from the number of households where that happened. Um, so the main villain for that show, Tex X, they pulled it and they were like, we're, we're doing this like, like old West, wild West, Texas theme, space adventure, opera thing. Let's use your character. Cause he's called Tex X and he uses magic space magic and he looks like a zombie. So, so yeah, give it to us. <laughs> so we'll listen to a little bit more yeah. of the brave star theme. Wait, what was it? What's the name of the show again? Brave Star. Brave Star. The carrier brush brought outlaws by the storm. And one day a lawman appeared with flowers of pop, wool, puma, and bear. Protector of peace, mystic man from afar, champion of justice, Marshal Brave Star. Who would actually ride? Okay, so... Yeah, can, we, can you please describe what just yes. happened? So uh, I'm going to take this moment now to ask our listening audience, I, we hardly ever do this, but if you're listening to this right now and you're able to, please go to YouTube 
and start watching the video for the intro of this show because it will answer no questions, but it will make you wonder what you're watching. And that imagine me sending this after you watch it. Imagine me sending that to Nick at one in the morning and asking him to comprehend what he's looking at. Okay, so what just happened was Brave Star, who was riding a white horse, had that horse get struck by some kind of lightning or energy bolt, which then became an anthropomorphic m- muscled cyborg cyborg horse. It's a cyborg horseman now. Does uh, it have a name? Do you know? Uh, thirty thirty. Thirty thirty. Yeah, it's actually his. It's actually his partner, and it can talk. Can it talk when it's in regular horse mode? I don't think so. Because I just. All I would want this series to be about is the relationship between Brave Star and his horse when it can sometimes talk to him when it's a No, cyborg. they're best friends. They are best friends. Like, they are partners. So the, there's like a whole... There's like a whole... In two seasons, they somehow managed like a, a, a width and breadth of world building that Star Wars took decades for. Because there's like uh, the list the list of different alien and human... Like, alien species that they come up with for this. There's like... so. The, so his horse, thirty thirty, is actually a member of the Equestroids, which are the Equestroids. cyborg equines, cyborg horses capable of assuming human attributes, specifically a bipedal stance and prehensile forelimbs, at will. And thirty thirty is the only surviving member of this race of creatures. Why would he ever be a regular horse then? I don't know, man. Sometimes you just want to take a vacation from having to think, and you just want to get have some like dude right on your back. Isn't that right, Mike Russell? <laughs> but there's like, there's, uh, and they all have noids. It's all noid. It's like avianoid, equestroid, uh, porcinoid, which are hog creatures. Yes. They're like hog, like basically. And then they, a bunch of butts called asteroids. Exactly. There's like pig aliens and reptilian aliens and. Uh, Undocumented s- aliens. And sandworms. And yeah, there's just, and then there's humans. Uh, which encompass a variety of ethnic groups. Uh, there's actually a species... <laughs> but no, but all white voice actors. And there's actually a species called the Krang. The Krang? Yeah, but they're not Krang. <laughs> Don't worry. They're not getting sued. Uh, and amongst all these is the, is the as you mentioned before, the, the indigenous inhabitants of this, of this world called the prairie people. And they are anthropomorphized prairie dog creatures who hate wearing shoes. That's a whole part of their of their of their raison d'être is that they do not like wearing shoes, and they. Are, you, you said they did a lot of world building. If that's the extent of the world building for the prairie people, I, I think you're giving them too much credit. Well, you know they were also. Oh fuck it! They don't like shoes. They're also kind of like the like oh, funny like they don't know what anything is going. They don't know what's going on. They're just happy to be around and exist. But they are also yeah. You mentioned earlier they are the ones that run the mines. But unlike what you normally think where the indigenous inhabitants of this planet would be forced to mine it for the non-indigenous indigenous inhabitants, they're actually pretty cool with it. They love working in mines. <laughs> Whew, that was close. We almost, got, we almost got attacked by the ACLU. But see, I have to get back to this horse. Okay, so, so Brave Star comes from planet Earth mm-hmm. to bring some law to this lawless planet of New Texas yeah. along with his n- friend... 3030. 30, 30. Not his horse. No. His uh, cyborg, ho- a cyborg questroid. Equestroid horse, 3030, 30, yes. yes. Champion of justice, Marshal Brave Star. Brave Star. Brave Star. 
So the horse not only has a gun, it's actually a blunderbuss. Do you know what a blunderbuss is? Yes, I do know it's a blunderbuss. It's an, it's an energy blunderbuss, uh, which, ha- which has a name. He calls it Sarah Jane. <laughs> Please tell me this horse has like a folksy southern accent. No, he's actually like, he's actually like, he's like the belligerent one. So like the, 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 the sort he's of. He's a real naysayer? The, the, yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Nick. <laughs> The uh, what hate what I hate most about you is how fast you're able to do that. <laughs> Makes me feel bad. Maybe I should take those improv classes. <laughs> um, so the thing about Brave Star is that uh, he actually tries in every episode to solve every conflict peacefully without result re- resulting in violence. It's very progressive action. of Brave Star. Thirty uh, Thirty does not share his opinions on violence. Thirty Thirty's always itching for a fight, and he's just sort of like a "Come on, let's get him. We can get him." <clears throat> He's the Raphael. Uh, you may have heard, uh, you may have heard mentioned "Eye of the Hawk," ears of, of the, the wolf, brave star. <clears throat> who do you know? Who the guy is that they got? Because it, it seems like it was someone's uncle who was just very excited to be part of a TV show. I did not. I did not. I was not able to find who actually sings the brave star. He doesn't team. even sing it though. He right. just speaks it emphatically. <clears throat> um. And there's a few other characters there. Oh, well, no, sorry. I brought it up before. So that that thing that they mentioned, Eyes of the Hawk, etc. So in addition to being a rough-and-tumble kind of guy, Marshall Bravestar also has superpowers in which he can briefly call upon superhuman abili- the superhuman abilities of his spirit animals. Because, again... Because eh, Native Americans. Because Native Americans, I guess... Um, so he's able to use the eyes of the hawk to get supervision and ears of the wolf to get super hearing and strength of the bear for super strength. And there's actually what do we find those are just items that he had cut off from other animals. Right. Like he he's just wearing them eyes of the hawk, ears of the wolf, um, psychopath, psychopath, um, speed of the puma, which gives him superhuman speed. Um, Judge McBride, who's like his uh, uh, Brave Star's love interest and is the only actual lawyer. On the planet. Um, she just had her work cut out for her. Yeah, the only judge and lawyer. Uh, and she uses an electric, an electric gavel as her weapon. So she's got a big hammer that, it, it, like, her gavel turns into a big hammer. It's a little heavy hand. It's a little heavy handed for the writers of Brave Star, but I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, it's Wait, called, how do they. It's called a hammer of justice. Wait, she's the only lawyer? Yeah, she's the only. So lawyer. In, a, in a court case on New Texas, when you have a plaintiff and a defendant, how can there only be one lawyer? Do all the defendants just have to defend themselves? Or is it all of the plaintiffs? And she's the public defender. Not only that, in the real world, judges aren't supposed to take part in police work. <laughs> They're supposed to be removed and impartial from the actual prosecution portion of police work. So well, to have like her run out, beat up a bunch of people with her with hammer. With a giant hammer. hammer. And then pass judgment on them is woefully illegal. <laughs> Which Listen, wouldn't be a problem. This is new. This is New Texas. They have to work with what ex- they've got. Exactly, and it wouldn't be a problem since it's a cartoon. If it weren't for the fact that there's an episode called Brave Star versus the Law, where the main villain Texex gets uh, doesn't get put on trial for his crimes, he sues the state of New Texas, the planet of New Texas, the planet. He of sues New Te- the planet. He sues the planet over over some you know some something happened. And then uses the law to to get one over on Marshall Bravestar, despite the fact that he is a wanted felon. Like the second he wins that case, he is immediately should be arraigned for all of the criminal acts they have him on. So I wouldn't mind it if it weren't for the fact that the show actually makes a point to try to make 
points about the law and how that's the, law, the show the rule that, of law that's the show the break show should have been dun 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 this is the defendant tex hex he's suing the planet of new texas <laughs> <laughs> he has a little fu manchu mustache twirling that is the show brave star should have been it should have had the same themes though because this is fantastic they really gave up riding very quickly For the listeners, try to get that out of your head. Brave star. Yeah, we we had a real we had a real problem the two of us after we heard this where we just brave star. Uh, Nose of the bat, yeah. hair of the horse. Yeah, just just trying to imagine. You can yeah. fit. It's the it's a, it's just like Dracula. You can fit yeah. whatever you want into it. And at a certain point, it just sort of become brave Nick. He can eat bread. Ears of the, the corn. <laughs> Ear of the corn. Ears of the corn. Brave, Brave Star is a scarecrow. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I I understand that. The only the thing song... he can hear are kernels of truth. <laughs> I hate you so much. You were saying. Uh, I I the whole yeah the whole impetus between between behind me using this was just, it's not it's not a song per se. There's not a lot of singing going on, but it's. It really but allows, what is said it, really it, leaves yeah, an impression. It really asks you to take a lot on faith. But it does also present a very intriguing world. Yeah. Like I we watched the, we watched just the intro and we were like, I want to watch this show. I don't know what this is. It kind of explained it to me, but ah. This seems like it could be my new Game of Thrones. <laughs> Except less murder. Or more murder, yeah, we don't depending. Know. We don't know. We haven't watched the show yet. Uh, but maybe at some point we'll do like a, uh, we'll do like a <laughs> song topsy report presents brave star, brave star. We'll do Yeah. For, for our, uh, Patreon subscribers, we'll do a live viewing of brave star. Cause they made a full length movie out of this as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They did. And it was very studio Ghibli looking from what I saw. Yeah. That's brave star. Yes, I, and, I don't. And thus don't, ends the cartoon cavalcade. Thus ends the cartoon cavalcade because I am quite literally about to pass out. Here's the problem, Mick. Before this episode, I drank coffee and a soda and I ate candy, <laughs> and then I was expected to. I didn't know you were on the Mike Russell diet. I was, and then I was expect because I was trying to get into his head, was trying to grasp what it's like to be Mike Russell. I just imagine the end of 2001: A Space Odyssey. Yeah, I'm curled up. <laughs> I will be curled up in the fetal position at some point. That's sure. That's for sure. But see, uh, thank you for introducing me to most of these, because yeah. other than Brave Star, sorry, Brave Star, Brave Star, I wasn't aware of the other shows. No, I was not aware of the other shows, and uh, and I appreciate you bring them both to my attention and to all of our listeners. You're welcome. Yes, for I'm, the listeners, I'm gonna go you're fall welcome. Asleep. I'm going to go fall asleep. Uh, no, but seriously, thank you guys so much for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts if you have not done so already. We really appreciate it. And you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Nick Brigadier at both of those. And, uh, oh, God, I almost said Mr. Mike. You know, Mr. Mike Russell. Yeah, you guys send. Uh, yeah, now he's just Cartman. Yeah, <laughs> send us like... Um, your favorite cartoons that you conjured in your head based on thinly veiled racial stereotypes and uh hey that's actually pretty good that's pretty close i think i, I think that's that's in the ballpark wow all that candy and coffee and soda really helps me get that's all that it takes mike russell mindset 
Uh, and then Steve, where may we find Steve, you? You may find Steve uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Your Man Trollo. And unfortunately, you can no longer find me on Twitter at at as um, Steve Troll Tuinger because yes, the Halloween Halloween's season over. has passed us, and, and a, I'm not Nick Ooga Booga Deer anymore. Yeah, we had a we had a we I was I was thre- <laughs> I I was th- threatened via third party uh, on Twitter the other or like last yesterday about it was uh, one of my favorite comedians did a, did a bit about. You have exactly one day to change your your uh, your Twitter feeds back to the way they were, because otherwise we're convening a court of law. <laughs> it's gonna be a it's it's gonna be a, a peanut court, a circus court, to convict you for the crime of still having that as your profile name. It'll be like a Brave Star court. Exactly, in the sense that there's just the one judge and yes. lawyer, so really there's no there's still no law. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, Twitter is the angry mob. It is of the wild west. Yeah, yes. it is wild west. It is, it is a, it is a lawless place where people find themselves comfortable being the worst versions of themselves. If only, if only there was some sort of marshal, if only someone we could send to Twitter to, to, uh, to fight for the right. Someone like. Uh, but guys, thank you so much for listening. I am Nick Brigadier, and I'm Stephen Trollinger, and we will see you next week. Take care. Bear stuff. Brave Star. Brave Star.